Desmond Tutu said this, hope is being able to see that there is light despite of all of the darkness. What is hope? Hope is having a confident and a favorable expectation. It's looking at your future with confidence and with a smile on your face because you know that God's got great plans for you. He said, I do. He said, these plans that I have for you are good and not for your disaster to give you a future and a hope. God is saying to us this morning, I will give you hope in your final, in, final outcome. Somebody says, so far it hasn't been so good, but just you wait and just you hang in there. God is the God of the turnaround. Even as the Apostle Paul sat there in a Philippian jail, he said, I know that through the supply of your spirit and as you pray, things are going to turn around for me. He says, I have an earnest expectation that soon and very soon these jailhouse blues are going to leave me and I'm going to come out rejoicing and filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. And so I want to encourage you, as we look at this small section in our series, may you abound in hope. May you team over and have hope galore in your life. I'm encouraging you to be earnest in your expectations. Because much of what we experience from God is in direct proportion to our earnest expectations. The word earnest simply means to be ardent in pursuit of an object. It means to be eager to obtain. It means to have a longing desire. Does anyone have a longing desire to see the goodness of God show up in the land of your life? Does anyone have a longing desire for revival in this church? Does anyone have a longing desire for a turnaround in the United States of America? Oh, hallelujah. We are going to pray to that end. We are going to believe to that end. We are not going to walk around as despondent Christians, but we are going to keep our eyes on Him, for we know that the head of the church has got great plans, not only for us individually, not only for this church corporately, but He's got great plans yet for this nation. Turn with me to Psalms 27, and notice with me in verse 13. Psalms 27 and verse 13. He said, I had fainted. In other words, I would have lost hope unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord or the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. We are exhorted by the Holy Spirit today through Pastor Brenda, glory to God, that even though there's darkness in the world, the light that is in the kingdom of God is much greater. Even though on one side sin abounds, but over in the kingdom of God, the grace of God, the glory of God, and the goodness of God does much more abound. One translation says, I would have lost heart. I would have given up hope unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Now, this has to do with your expectation. Expecting God to, to show up in your family. Expecting God to show up in your body. Expecting God to show up, come on, in your pocketbook. 
And here's what I've discovered, because quite frankly, I have felt like quitting many, many times in the ministry. But someone on the inside would not let me give up. Someone on the inside called the greater one. Yea, greater is he that is in me than all the circumstances that are in the world. Someone on the inside wouldn't let me quit. Someone on the inside won't let you quit. Someone on the inside won't let you give up. It's the greater one. It's the God of hope. And if you'll attend to him, he'll cause you to bubble up and bubble over with hope. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody shout amen. And here's what I've discovered, that hope is like an anchor to my soul. You know, an anchor holds a boat firmly in place. An anchor keeps an object from going back and forth and up and down. And so stability of our soul is absolutely necessary. And that is what hope will do for you. In Hebrews 6 and in verse 19, in the Amplified Version, it says, Now we have this hope. As a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Say with me, hope is what's anchoring my soul. Now notice with me, it cannot slip and it cannot break down no matter who may step upon it. No matter what you may be going through, I say by the word of the Lord that you're going through. And that you're going to make it to the other side. Don't you give up hope. Don't you give up expectation. The God of hope is on the move in your life. From the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, notice with me in verse 35 and verse 36. Be anchored today by the God of hope. Hebrews 10:35 says, Do not therefore... Fling away what kind of confidence? Don't fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious... How many of you love the word compensation? We all like to be compensated, amen? It holds with it a great compensation of reward. Now, if we're going to get to the reward... And if we're going to get to the fulfillment of our hopes and dreams, we must not fling away our fearless confidence. I would remind you that God did not give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so it pays you and I rich dividends to contend and to hold fast and not draw back from what we are believing for. How many of you are believing for something in this place? Well, that's 100%. Well, the devil will try to get you to fling away your fearless confidence, but instead of doing that, you just tell him to go back to where he belongs. You just tell him to back off. You tell him to bug off. You take the name of Jesus. You apply the blood of Jesus, and you, glory to God, get filled with the power of God, and he will not have a chance against you. Oh, somebody say amen. Amen. Now notice with me in verse 36. For you have need, all of us have need of what? Steadfast patience and endurance so that we may perform and fully accomplish the will of God and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. That's another way of saying receiving your compensation of reward. 
But notice with me, if we're going to enjoy to the full what is promised. I mean, like you're going to enjoy to the full when you eat all those hot dogs next week. When you enjoy to the full Pastor Mark coming out with his ace hat on to preach next week. But if we're going to get to the place we're going to enjoy to the full what God has promised, we all have need of what? We all have need of steadfast patience and endurance. And patience is not a popular word in Charismaticville. As a matter of fact, patience is not a popular word in America. We want what we want, and we want it yesterday. Am I preaching good right now? But now notice with me what James chapter 1 and verse 2 through 4 says. So if we could pull James chapter 1 and verse 2 through 4 up, we're going to read this and we're going to see the importance of patience. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. How can I get happy when these tests and these trials and these tribulations are just besieging my life. Well, you've got to know something. You've got to know the God of hope. You've got to know the Word. You've got to know the Holy Ghost. Verse 3, knowing this, and here's something else we must know. Knowing this, that the tempting, the trying, and the testing of your faith will do what? It will work patience. I like what Creflo Dollar says. It will employ patience. You see, faith by itself won't get you the results you need. You notice that faith is coupled with love. Faith works by love. Kenneth Copeland said many, many years ago in a book, he said that faith and patience are the power twins. That when your faith is tempted to waver like on a bridge or something, patience just comes up underneath it and undergirds it. So my brothers and sisters, we must employ consistency. We must employ endurance. We must employ perseverance when it comes to obtaining and carrying away the full promises of God. Notice with me that the trying of your faith, what does it do? It activates patience. Notice verse 4. But let, let patience or endurance or consistency have what kind of work? Patience has a perfect work. But patience must be worked in your life for it to have a perfect work. So that, come on, you may be perfect. We got to read that with a little bit more ving, vigor and vitality. Read it again. That you may be perfect. One more time. That you may be perfect and entire. Oh, now come on, Pastor. Wanting nothing? What are you talking about? I've got so many wants. I've got so many needs. I can't even see straight. What do you mean, wanting nothing? Show me another scripture. I'm glad you asked. In Psalm 23, verse 1. Psalm 23, verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I am full of want. The Lord is my shepherd. I want so much I can't even see straight. No, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
I shall not lack for strength, for the Lord is the strength of my life. I shall not want for joy, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. I shall not want for light, for the Lord is my light and my salvation. I shall not want for peace, for He is my peace. Oh, thank you, Lord. So the point is this. What is the point, Pastor? The point is this. We must employ patience along with our faith if we're going to come to the place where we are perfect and entire and lacking nothing and receiving a full compensation of reward. So don't you fling away your confidence. You know, many of us have done that in the past. How many of you discovered that when you fling away your fearless confidence, you get no results? How many of you like results? Perhaps you're here today and you need to pick up your hope. Maybe you let it go. Perhaps you're here today and you've let your confidence go. I'm saying by the word of the Lord that you can pick it up. And that when you leave this place, you can look at your future with a confidence. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. There is a stand of faith. There is a fight of faith. But it's not time to quit. It's not time to back down. And it's not time to limit God. I just dropped by to encourage you this morning to keep your hopes alive. Keep your hopes alive. The Apostle Paul had to do it. And you and I can do it. Now... I believe that we need to discuss, not at length, but just touch over briefly, two areas why our expectancy can be so awesomely great. Number one is you and I have been given exceeding great and precious promises. Amen? Do you know that God puts the precious promises in the same category as he puts the precious blood? It's a very short list what God deems precious. Number one, the precious blood of Christ. Number two, the precious fruit of the earth. And number three, those exceeding great, woo, great and precious promises. So the more filled you and I are with the exceeding great and precious promises of God, the more the great promise keeper will have to perform in your life. You see, he watches over his word to perform it. The eyes of the Lord. Everyone say, the eyes of the Lord. They're running to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on my behalf. There is no doubt in my mind that God wants to show himself strong in your life. But we must give him something to work with. And God works with his word. He said, I've sent my word into the earth. And as we return his word to him by believing it and speaking it, he is the great apostle and high priest of your confession. And he brings to pass the promises that you hide in your heart and that you speak boldly with your mouth. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Say it with me. I've got exceeding great and precious promises. And my promise keeper is bringing them to pass 
in my life. So expect great things. Secondly, because God is great and he does great things. You know, if you ran your reference to the word great and greatness, you'd have a revival in your kitchen. If you ran your reference on how great God is and all the great things he does, you'd be running around your living room. You wouldn't even need Pastor Tom to play the piano. You wouldn't even need the girls to come up here and sing. You get so pumped. Hallelujah. You get so pumped, so persuaded with the power of God that you just can't stand still. You'll dance in your kitchen. Glory to God. You'll shout in your automobile. And you'll laugh at famine. And you'll mock destruction. Because you serve a great God. I serve a great God. Hallelujah. Listen. In Deuteronomy 7, he's called the great and awesome God. In Genesis, he's our exceeding great reward. Psalms 47, he's called the great king. Hebrews 4, the great high priest. Hebrews 13, the great shepherd. Psalms 145, he has great mercy. In Psalms 18, he gives great deliverance. In Psalms 19, he gives great rewards. In Psalms 145, he lays up great goodness. In Psalms 86, he performs great wonders. In Psalms 19, he gives great peace. He shows great kindness toward us. Psalms 138, he has great glory and lamentations. Great is his faithfulness. In Matthew chapter 4, he gives great light. In Joel chapter 3, his day, is come, his day of coming is called the great day of the Lord. In Mark chapter 4, he brings great calm to the storms of our life. In Acts chapter 8, he gives great joy. In Ephesians 2, he loves us with a great love. In Hebrews chapter 2, he has wrought for us a great salvation. And at the end of the day and at the end of the book, he has prepared for you and I a great city. Woo! Hallelujah! Whose building and foundations are of God. Now let me close with this today. Because I believe that as Brenda and I come to pray a Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, strong prayer over you, some of you are going to pick up that confidence. Some of you are going to pick that hope up again. So look at Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 12. Hallelujah. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 12. Everybody doing good? Zechariah 9.12, notice with me, he says, return to the stronghold. Now this was written to the Jews when they were in Babylonian captivity. And Babylonian captivity was about to end. And the stronghold that the word of God talks about is the temple. The stronghold was the place where they connected with the very presence of God. Amen? See, they had to go to a place to connect with God. You and I have God on the inside of us. Amen? So we can connect with him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But notice with me, he says, return to the stronghold of security and prosperity. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And then he says, you prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will restore double your former prosperity to you. 
Amen. Joyce Meyer calls it double, double for your trouble. Anybody interested in double for your trouble? Now, in other words here, in order for them to receive the restoration, for them to receive the double of their former prosperity that they once had, in order for that to come back to them, they had to return to somewhere. They had to go back to the place where they could connect with the very presence and the power of God. Now, let's look at this next word, prisoners of hope. Everyone say prisoners of hope. Now, prisoners of hope is an expression used to describe those, in this case, the Jews, who have waited a long time to get back to the temple. In 2016, in the Bay Area, prisoners of hope can be used as an expression and a definition for those of us who have waited for a long time for a specific prayer to be answered, a specific debt to be removed, a specific son or daughter to be saved, a specific promotion on the job, or whatever the case may be. Now listen carefully. The word prisoners in this verse is a translation of a Hebrew word which literally means to tie down, to hold down, to bind in order to keep in one place. So in this verse, hope is the prisoner. And so what we do with our hopes, what we do with this abounding hope, we don't let it go. We don't release it. We don't give our hopes up. We don't release that. But rather, like a prisoner of hope, we take the promises of God and we tie them down. Hallelujah. We hold on to it. We don't, we refuse to let our hopes go. Come on, somebody. We refuse. Prisoner, the hope is the prisoner. You see what happens with us when we have done this in days past. Well, here's what happens. When we let our hopes go, the Bible says very clearly that hope that is deferred or cut off or released, hope that is deferred, it makes the heart sick. How many of you can relate? When you've been despondent, man, you just you feel down on the inside, almost to the point of being depressed. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. The, the message translation says, that unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. Oh, hallelujah. But a sudden good break, a sudden good break can turn life right around. And so I'm encouraging you, don't allow your hopes to fade. Believe God for suddenlies. Believe God for southern breakthroughs. Lock the verses up in your heart and keep the verses strong. Somebody says, yeah, but the devil just won't shut up. You've got to start talking back to that rat. Never allow the devil to have the last word. Speak, verbalize, talk, verbalize. Nothing to do. Glory to God. But speak the word of God only when the devil attacks your soul. As for me and my house... I got my hopes high, and they are locked in my spirit, and my eyes are upon him. And so he said to them, return to the stronghold. Now, there may be some of you here today that just need to return to God with all your heart. We're not going to ask for a show of hands. 
But there's others of you here today that would say, man, I tell you what, I, I've let my hopes go. I've, I've let them slip. I've, let, I've released them. It's time for you to pick them back up today. It's time for you to get that vision renewed in your spirit. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Well, thank God the reversal of true is, is true of that. Where there is a vision, the people will prosper. How many of you want restored double for your trouble? So what do you say? We return to the stronghold. What do you say? We return to the word if we've let it slip. What do you say? We return to the presence of God. What do you say? We return to spirit-filled Holy Ghost praying in the Holy Ghost. Return to God with all of your heart.